Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. This episode of Pop Health Week on the Blog Talk Radio and Affiliate Networks is brought to you by the Jefferson College of Population Health, the first college of its kind, providing graduate education supported by evidence-based research, scholarship, and publications. Welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show, and in the virtual studio today is my colleague, Fred Goldstein, principal co-host and co-founder here at Pop Health Week. Hello, Fred. Hello, Greg. How are you today? Oh, it's cold in South Lake Tahoe. My temperature gauge this morning driving to the office was 6 degrees, so hopefully it'll warm up shortly. And for those of you not familiar with Fred, he is a veteran healthcare executive and president of Accountable Health LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm, and the father of the annual wellness visit. Fred serves on the editorial board of the Journal of Population Health Management and is known on Twitter as at FS Goldstein. My background includes thought leadership and strategy consulting for hospitals, health systems, and physician-led ventures. I publish and principally author ACOWatch.com, HealthInnovationMedia.com, and PrecisionMedicine.center. Follow me on Twitter via at 2HealthGuru. And now for today's special guest, Nikki Buchanan, Population Health Management Business Leader at Philips Wellcentive. Nikki is a dynamic and versatile healthcare executive. She uses her distinctive customer-focused methodology to align organizational solutions towards products and services that meet healthcare business transformational needs. Recognized for her strategic approach to driving ROI for her customers through superior account management, operational deployment, and a focus on commercial government compliance and reimbursement opportunities that maximize value-based care initiatives. Nikki's teams are known for improving class scores and aligning towards both profitability and customer satisfaction. She uses her experience in serving on the Emory Rollins School of Public Health Advisory Board and adjunct professor in the Informatics Master's Program as a leader in international supply chain immunization products in developing countries and as a presenter to the World Health Organization in Geneva, Switzerland on special topics to influence her partnerships and customer experiences in the North American healthcare market. Nikki received her BA from the University of Florida in Gainesville, go Gators, and an MA in education from the University of Phoenix in Phoenix, Arizona. And with that introduction, over to you, Fred. Help us get to know Nikki Buchanan. Thank you so much, Greg. And Nikki, uh, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Well, thank you. And David, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on again as well. Thanks, Fred. Hi, Nikki. Great to be together. Thanks, David. Looking forward to seeing everyone in a couple weeks. Bet. Yeah, we're really looking forward to this conference. It's going to be uh, fantastic. As I keep going through the agenda, I keep getting more and more amazed by the individuals who will be speaking. So great to be talking a little bit about it today. And perhaps, Nikki, you could start out by telling us a little bit about your role and some of the work that Phillips and Wellcentive does in the population health space. 
Sure, thank you. Um, my name again is Nikki, uh, Nikki Buchanan, and I am the PHM business leader for the Phillips Group, Phillips Wealth Center specifically, that focuses on population health. And population health has a definition probably different for everyone, so I'll tell you a little bit about how we view population health in our business acumen. Uh, we consider it, of course, anything from data, data aggregation, analytics, and insights towards chronic disease and wellness programs, as well as having various components that support both patient monitoring, telehealth, uh, any opportunity we, we can to serve patients outside of the hospital walls, uh, ideally in their home environment, as well as other uh, patient monitoring tools like our Lifeline device, medication management, uh, medical alert services. And we view um, our opportunity in population health to really connect with the broader Phillips infrastructure, specifically with healthcare informatics, um, as well as, of course, inpatient technologies that we feel um, are coming closer and closer together to really um, handle patients both in and out of the hospital setting. So when you're talking about population health and, and Phillips, in a sense, you're bringing together not only sort of a, maybe a platform to do population health, but linking up these various systems that Phillips builds or others might use both in home and in the hospital? That's exactly right. So we have a long history of you know clinical experience, but we have an even longer history in the consumer technology industry. Uh, so it's that, that knowledge and that ecosystem approach of bringing together the two, both the knowledge from the device perspective as well as the clinical and clinical workflow perspective to really you know, transform the business of an organization towards value-based care. And we believe as a, as a software solution and, of course, additional services, there's much opportunity and insight that we have through our products in the inpatient setting. Um, but real, the real opportunity is to advance the business transformation for a healthcare organization is providing the care, the accountability, right, the knowledge of what's happening with patients in and outside their network. Uh, to really control the opportunities for um, advancing the affinity for patients back to the healthcare system overall. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned this this concept and sort of being driven by this move to value-based care. So, David, perhaps could you touch on where you see that today, uh, and and where we may be getting to with value-based care? Great, and once again, so much fun to be together, and we're really looking forward to. Nikki's plenary presentation on the opening afternoon of the colloquium, Monday, March 19th, so it's right around the corner. So as you are aware, Fred, we have our mantra, no outcome, no income. <laughs> and uh, we, we trademark that, and we've been talking about that now almost for 10 years, no outcome, no income. So we believe, uh, despite whatever the politics of the moment, and we won't touch on that really on the program, except to say I think it's inexorable that we're moving towards increasing risk for clinical decision-making. And whether you call that capitation or bundled payment or uh, some other name, you know, frankly, we don't care. But what we're pretty convinced of is that the system is just not sustainable, that private practice fee-for-service medicine is the root of all evil, <laughs> and that we have to move, we have to, move towards a value-based payment system. 
not that the people are evil, but the payment system is evil. And it creates right. pernicious incentives for overutilization, inappropriate testing, waste of resources, and, uh, you know, a barrel of monkeys. So we're all about no outcome, no income. Um, are we getting there as quickly as folks like me, you, and Nikki would like? Probably not. Uh, but I do think that it's an inexorable journey in February of 2018. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, and it's been interesting to watch both in the press as, as we were commenting on before the show a little bit with Nikki and and uh, and around as you talk to individuals, sort of where people are at in this in this transition and how they believe it might go. I, I think it, it really needs to happen. And now, Nikki, you're going to touch on this in your presentation, Journey to Value-Based Care, Experience and Expectations. Without giving away the show, can you perhaps give our audience uh, some hints as to what you're going to talk about? Absolutely. So, you know, I'm, ex- I'm more excited and optimistic than ever. Um, in regards to how the landscape is is really shifting towards value-based care. Um, We have been on a customer journey for years, and we have so many customers that are doing the right things and pushing the needle towards value-based care. Uh, To David's point, they have focused solely on outcomes, uh, improving clinical workflows, finding opportunities to advance, fee-for-service only in the sense of how does that keep revenue coming in while we try some experimental, sometimes pilot programs in telehealth or patient monitoring. Um, You know, we have stories and stories upon stories from customers that are really creating the best practices towards value-based care and getting uh, recognition with their payers, both their commercial and their governmental contracts, um, so that they can, you know, keep their business transforming, keep the revenue coming in, as well as doing the right things for the patient that improve patient outcomes. So I'll share at the colloquium, um, you know, some, some key business stories about transformation. And, you know, to me, there's no better testimony than the customer who have lived through it. Uh, we've got some fantastic leaders um, in our partner and community organizations. And I hope, you know, one of my goals would be that we share their stories, but we also provide an opportunity for people to realize that our customer and partner community really is open to sharing their lessons learned. They are, they are equally um, excited to share the things that they don't believe you should ever do again, as well as the things they're trying to do and how they're working with you know, commercial payers or the government to advance us all towards better outcomes. So a little bit of preview is customer stories um, and how they're doing it, um, not even talking about our products, right? It's not about that. It's about what are the steps that they are taking towards value-based care and business transformation. And that's, you, that's a teaser for you. <laughs> that's great. So people who, who are coming to the colloquium uh, March 19th through 21st can expect to actually get some real-world, hey, here's some stuff you can take away because – I know one of the reasons you see some of this hesitancy, obviously there's the policy side of it that says maybe we don't move down value-based care so fast, but there's also the provider side of it and the and the fear factor of changing that payment methodology and then going to achieve those outcomes. So I assume people coming to this session are going to be able to say, hey, there's some things that they, they use that may work for me or maybe that they said didn't work that I should consider. 
That's exactly right. Um, you know, we can all relate to any time, you know, we are asked as individuals to change the way we do business. We can relate to the hesitancy, right, and, and the shyness towards that. Um, we have been working with provider groups for over 10 years who have gone through this change, and they can tell you flat out, you know, there are things that you can do to start slow. There's aggressive actions you can take, um, or there's, you know, somewhere in between, the blend of maximizing your fee-for-service opportunities, possibly through proactive wellness checks and visits earlier in the year as opposed to later in the year, so you maximize that revenue but as well as looking at your chronic disease patients and your populations and figuring out targets. Um, of course, you know, using technologies that allow us to stratify patients so that we see them at their highest levels of acuity as well as those that are on the rising risk uh, pendulum. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that we hope um, you know, really resonate with the audience because we know they're living it as well and they just need some tactical things that they can do in 2018, right, that advance us all towards this greater good of value-based care. Mm -hmm. And David, as you look at value-based care and the providers and some of their hesitancy, what sort of messages do you think it's important to get across to them and what, what things at the conference are addressing that? Because I know there are some other presentations on value-based care as well. Yeah, well, I'm very happy to hear Nikki's teaser, and I think uh, some of the tools and technology that Philips has in the marketplace really does help move the ball down the field, and I, I, I'm excited to hear her talk uh, live. Uh, from the provider perspective, uh, Fred, uh, you know, I think they're interested in learning more about the tools, but there's a lot of uncertainty about um surrendering some autonomy <clears throat> on the margin for more accountability, always a concern that doctors have. I think there's a concern about standardization and cookbook medicine and that the only way they're going to get paid is if they follow the recipe, so to speak. So autonomy and the standardization, th these are hot-button issues for the docs. And uh, I think a third issue and uh, Nikki's very familiar with this as a leader, is, uh, you know, doctors are supposed to be the leader of the interprofessional team. Well, that sounds fantastic, but they've never really worked with the other members of the team. They don't know what nurse practitioners and physician's assistants in many instances are really capable of doing. So then there's the leadership challenge. So if you start to make a list here of all the challenges to value-based care, it's formidable. The technology, the leadership, the loss of autonomy, the standardization, th these are not things taught in medical school. So that's why we encourage physician leaders to come to the colloquium to take this message back to the troops. And I, I feel their pain. I, I, I truly do. But we also know that the road from volume to value is the road to redemption, and they have to get on that road. So it, it's it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, and that, that's very true. This whole road to to value um, based care and et cetera is, is tough. You, I also noticed at the conference that. Um, Michael Levitt will be there speaking on mapping a path to value-based care. So you've got two former secretaries of HHS and former governors uh, yep. speaking at the conference. Comment well, a little good. bit on some of that. 
Yeah, so hopefully by Tuesday morning, after we announce the third annual Hearst Health Prize, which is super exciting, and we hand over that big fat check for $100,000. And don't forget this year, too, we've got two runner-up prizes, too. So everybody's going to come away with a check. One will be a lot bigger than the other. But when we're done and we have our press conference, as soon as everybody's back in the room, I'm excited. We'll have our former Secretary Levitz, former Secretary Tommy Thompson, and me, and we're going to have a roundtable discussion We've got two, you know, Republicans who were very progressive leaders of HHS and who are very deeply engaged in the industry currently. So I I can't wait to have them on stage with me to sort of say, hey, hey guys, what would you do the same? What would you do differently? Are we in reverse gear? Are we in forward gear? And, you know, what's what's your view? Uh, Secretary Levitt has his own very deep bench consulting company in healthcare now in Washington and former secretary Thompson he he's on a slew of big healthcare company boards of directors so th- these are guys who still have their hands very much in it and uh, I'm I'm excited to welcome them both to the colloquium should be fascinating really with the two of them and you up there I can't wait to hear the questions and answers to that one So getting back to the topic on value-based care, Nikki, you mentioned something that's interesting, and and I know it's been sort of frustrating sometimes for for providers and others in the system, and you talked about workflow and the importance of that and how you consider workflow when you put these systems in. Could you comment on that a bit and how that works? Sure, and I'd I'd like to even tie it back to, you know, the mention of of the former leadership in the government. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, let's, let's give them their due, right? They were... The government has often helped healthcare transformation through incentives, right? Started back with PQRS, actually even before that, PQRI. Uh, it's evolved to MACRA and MIPS. And so, you know, the government has been a big proponent of uh, waving, waving the carrot, right, before, you know, using the stick um, as far as incentives go, which is great for us. Um, and those are the kinds of things that, you know, providers um, need to be aware of, right? The the commercial payers out there start to change and reimburse differently based off of what happens successfully in the government, right? The government usually goes first. Um, so, you know, we value both and we, we know it's an and in order to really have uh, patients being cared for in a practice. But providers need to understand that, you know, the stick will continue to come their way. And so, you know, when David talks about them being the leaders of the transformation team, you know, our goal and our recommendation to our customers and our community is can we find a way that you as a provider practice at the top of your license, you see the patients and administer the highest level of skill that you have at your fingertips, but you leverage the community of healthcare providers around you to meet the full spectrum of care for your patients. So to your point, if it's your MA or your PA, what could they be doing that allows you to spend the most quality time with the the patients that need your attention the most, but yet still have that full panel receiving a level of care that is appropriate for where they are on the healthcare spectrum? So we spend a lot of time educating and talking about this transformation at a practice level 
because if if you can work within a clinic and really leverage all the right uh, clinician skill sets um, and have them all working at the top of their license, then really it's a win for everyone when it comes to patient outcomes because you know, for those of us that are, are lucky enough to be in the healthy spectrum right now and, and really only caring about our yearly annual visits, uh, you know, the colonoscopies and the mammograms and all those great things you have to do after 40, right, for those of us on that end of the spectrum, you know, we still want to have the connection to the provider as well, but we also realize we're not the sickest of the sick and we don't necessarily, um, you know, at this stage of life or our care journey, need to be speaking, you know, the full hour to the provider. So, you know, we look at it from a transformation level and we really spend a lot of proactive time getting the whole buy-in from all of the workers in the clinic to really help drive the right kind of patient outcomes. Right, and isn't that important in terms of those outcomes? Obviously, you're, you're striving for the highest outcomes, but by using those staff more efficiently, you then create the opportunity for that change in pricing, be it a bundled payment or a capitation model, to not become a negative because because you brought it, you brought it to the lowest cost, highest quality piece of that system to do that function. Absolutely, and that's you know bingo, right? Because um, the great thing about what's happening with bundled payments, and and yes, of course, you know we are hearing that there some of them have become voluntary. Hey. That's great. If it's voluntary, this is the year then, right? This is your year as a practice or a provider group to really push for some changes, maybe some just incremental changes that allow you to understand how to best leverage the opportunity for a a bundled payment and still make revenue, still provide the right quality, but yet still make those quality metrics and measures that we need to be hitting together as as healthcare providers. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. That's a perfect example of, you know, positive legislation that is actually pushing um, towards the right kind of value-based care incentives. And and uh, we've sort of touched upon the government and their role in, you know, pushing out these new ideas, programs, and MACRA and MIPS. But, David, we've seen, obviously, in the last couple of months, we come out of the last show, you know, the Amazon uh, announcement. We saw an article I read yesterday in the Houston Chronicle, Walmart, you know, uh, flying their employees to Houston to get back surgery. Um, so the drive's coming from that side, too, isn't it? Sure. I love Nikki's answer about the teamwork and the technology and, you know, helping providers. Uh, boy, that uh, I'm really looking forward to her presentation. You know, Fred, I think our listeners, pretty sophisticated group, and they've got the ABCs on their mind, right? Amazon, Buffett, and J.P. Morgan Chase. The ATC, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm asked like every hour since that announcement, what does it mean? Well, I, I wish I had a nickel for every time somebody asked me. But beside that, uh, so there's no future in predicting the future. But here goes. I, I, I think it's about time. Uh, these three leaders uh, are going to be asking some tough questions and they're not satisfied with the status quo. And I think it's about time we had some major disruptions in our industry, and I think more news to follow beyond uh, CVS Aetna. I I think uh, Amazon is going to buy a PBM someplace sometime, and 
deliver your prescription to your door with a drone. I, I think uh, if you got high blood pressure, they may even send you a, you know, a special low-salt diet from Whole Foods while they're at it. And uh, Google is tracking everything you do and things you don't even know you want to do, health-related. And, and we're going to be paralleling every other industry. So speaking personally, I, I'm very excited about ABC. Um, I think it's uh, going to be potentially transformative. Whether they're successful with their own patients or not, quite frankly, doesn't really matter. The fact that these three groups want to get in there and take the gloves off and mess it up with us, okay, bring it on. <laughs> it's, it should be very interesting. Nikki, any thoughts from your side on that? Oh, I, I totally agree. I am, I am so excited with what innovation could come out of these partnerships. And, you know, I, I honestly believe that, you know, 2018 is truly the year, it's a hallmark year for partnerships in the industry. Um, you know, I see it in our own business. We are, we are reaching across the aisle, across many different types of institutions at Phillips uh, through either acquisition or partnerships to say, hey, how do we think about the patient at where they want their care? How do we think about them in a way that is not your typical clinical workflow. How do we reach them? Do we meet them at the schools and do their immunizations on day one of the school year to, to you know, think outside the box? Do we, you know, do telehealth visits just as a follow-up care um, opportunity? Innovation is here, and the great thing about the ABC uh, partnership is it is going to push every standard that we've thought could not be changed towards a improvement technology uh, that will advance and help all of us. So I just love the fact that, um, you know, there, th this is the year, and I agree with David, I think it's only the beginning. We're going to hear about more and more of these. And just one little, one little additional teaser for the conversation in March. Um, what they're doing, what ABC is doing, is very similar to one of our best practices we recommend with value-based care. We say to every single one of our customers and partners, why aren't you, as the healthcare organization, caring for your own employees? Why aren't you doing a retrospective view with the data that you have about your own teams to advance care? And we often say to them, if you don't know where to start, but yet you know you have to start somewhere, let's talk about a best practice of caring, whether it be wellness and preventative first or focusing on your chronic disease employees. There are huge benefits and opportunities for experimenting with your own groups. And we've got customers, again, share those at the colloquium, we've got customers who have been doing it successfully for seven plus years before it was even cool to take care of your own employees. So. I'm excited about it. I think it's a, just a wonderful year for opportunity and innovation. And you know what? Open our arms to it because this could be a really great thing for all of us as patients and consumers. Great. Uh, hey, hey, Fred. Um, yeah. I, 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 we're thrilled, obviously, to have Nikki and the whole Phillips team. And she's bringing some of her colleagues, too, who will be uh, doing the mini summit uh, on, uh, on day two. And we have folks from... 
Accenture and Quest Diagnostics. I mean, some of the top organizations in the whole country will be joining us as well. So uh, it's going to be jam jam packed. Yeah, I was going through the schedule, Dave, and it's amazing when you think about this framework for population health of identify, assess, stratify, engage, intervene, and measure, and Nikki touched on some of those issues. You really have major speakers or mini-summits or um, or breakouts on all of those areas so people really can get, target where they want to learn and then learn a whole bunch about the whole system itself. You bet. Well, it's, it's uh, fantastic, again, to have both of you on the show today. Really enjoyed it, Nikki. It was a pleasure to hear about Phillips and Wellcentive and what you're doing, and I want to thank you for coming on. You bet. Looking forward to a couple weeks away from now. So am I. And David, to you, it's, as always, it's an honor to get you on the show. Great to have you and your comments. Looking forward to seeing you March 19th through 21st in Philadelphia. Thank you, Fred, and thank you, Nikki, and thanks for your support, too. Oh, as okay. always, we'll see you there. So with that, I'll turn it over to you, Greg. And that'll have to be the last word for today's broadcast. I want to thank our guest, Nikki Buchanan, Population Health Management Business Leader at Phillips Wellcentive, and Dr. David Nash, the Dean of Population Health at the Jefferson College of Population Health for their time and insights today. Do follow Nikki and Wellcentive's work via www.wellcentive.com, on Twitter via at Nikki O.Z. Buchanan and at Wellcentive, and Dr. Dash on Twitter via at Nash Pop Health and the college via at Jefferson J.C.P.H. and the web via www.jefferson.edu. And finally, if you are tasked with population health at your health plan, health system, physician venture, state or federal agency, or feel drawn to the emerging world of population health management, the 18th Population Health Colloquium convenes in Philadelphia from March 19th through the 21st. Consider joining your peers in the city of brotherly love and the current home of the Super Bowl champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. For more information, go to www.populationhealthcolloquium.com. And until we meet again on Pop Health Week, for Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying bye now. <laughs>